Hey everybody, Zach here. Welcome to the show. Before we dive into this week's episode, just want to give a quick thank you and shout out to Element 451 for making today's conversation possible. I've been talking with several several of you um, about their new product packs and just want to reiterate how much of a game changer I think that this is for the higher ed CRM space. So you know that moment after you've finally gone through the whole RFP process, you've done you know, training and onboarding with a CRM vendor that you selected. And then, you know, you're in the CRM and you realize, oh my gosh, there's just so much work to do to get up and running, right? Like we've got to build out our conflows, we've got to build out our landing pages, et cetera. Well, with PAX by Element 451, this headache goes away because what PAX is, is it's essentially pre-packaged content, right? Pre-built content, designs, and automations. So you're actually able to do in minutes what would normally take your enrollment management team or your marketing team or your IT team weeks to do. No code needed, no writers, you know, no wasted time. Each pack is designed with a very specific goal in mind. So for example, you could install the senior search pack and in minutes, you'll have five personalized emails that are totally branded to your school, your audience segments, um, and a whole marketing automation workflow that will make the campaign run effortlessly. So in a fraction of the time that it usually takes, you'll be well on your way to achieving your enrollment goals. We all know that uh, time is everything, especially these days. So what's super cool about Element 451 is that they're, you know, they're finally a higher ed CRM that actually comes with content, guys. Like, this is game changing. Uh, anyways, learn more at element451.com forward slash enrollify. Again, that's element451.com forward slash enrollify. And if you'd like a personal introduction to the team there, um, I, I know artists um, and they are uh, just a fantastic group of people and I'd be wel- I'd, I'd welcome any opportunity I can to introduce you or your team to their customer success team. So feel free to reach out to me directly at Zach, Z-A-C-H at enrollify.org if you'd like me to make that introduction or even give you a sneak peek behind the scenes look at how the product works. All right, everyone, thanks so much for your time and thank you Element for making today's conversation possible. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Enrollify podcast. My name is Zach Buzikruz and I am your host for today's episode. And today I have the wonderful privilege of speaking with my colleague, Matthew Fall. Matt, welcome to the show. Thanks, Zach. Pleasure to be on. So Matt is uh, a talented uh, individual. Uh, he's a, a somebody who has skills uh, in, in all areas from technical development to content strategy to HubSpot optimization. Um, Matt makes a lot of the things that we do at Enrollify actually work. Um, and he's he's great at like fixing problems. When some of you sign up for Enrollify Premium and you have you have challenges, Matt's the dude that helps uh, helps helps you out and sort of work through these these technical barriers. But another thing that Matt spends a lot of time doing every week is working on Enrollify 
July's uh, Monday morning newsletter called The Minute. So if you're not already subscribed to The Minute, you are missing out. You can do so by heading on over to enrollify.org forward slash subscribe, and you can find the minute subscription there. So Matt is actually the managing editor of the minute, and he spends time every week scouring the internet for the latest trends that are worth chatting about and um, worth making enrollment marketers aware of. So what we decided to do for today's episode is something a little bit different than our traditional kind of interview style podcast, but instead actually feature, actually really design a podcast around uh, another show that we have called Second Look. And so what Second Look is, is Second Look is the podcast version of Enrollify's weekly newsletter, The Minute. So Matt and I chat for about 10 minutes uh, every every Tuesday, and then the uh, the show's published, on, the episode's published on Wednesday, sort of recapping the trends that we covered in that week's edition. So what we thought we would do this week is give you all a little bit of a taste of what Second Look is like. Several of you are subscribed to Second Look. Uh, others of you might not even be aware of it. So we thought this was a great opportunity to um, bring you a little bit different uh, of, of a show and hopefully entice you to subscribe to Second Look wherever you get your podcasts as well. All right, Matt, you ready to, to dive in? And is there is there anything you want to add? No, if you're subscribed to The Minute, you definitely need to be subscribed to Second Look. Uh, just to add on, this is a lot of sort of top of mind trends, tactics that are going on that you might not be aware of. So please go ahead and hit that subscribe button if you like the content we shared today. Fantastic, fantastic. So we're gonna dive in here. Um, you guys will notice it, it will flow a little bit different than traditional podcasts, but I think you will really appreciate it. So without further ado, uh, so Matt, Technics surveyed more than 1,000 internet users to uncover their Google search behavior to to determine just how far they'd go to find the information that they're looking for. So in other words, how far down a uh, Google search engine result page or how far down the many pages that appear after you query uh, a particular phrase or keyword uh, would a searcher be willing to go in order to get access to their answers. So Matt, talk to us a little bit about what this survey revealed and, and why you think it's significant. Yeah, definitely. So when performing a Google search, and this shouldn't come as a shock to anyone, people are looking for quick answers, right, to their questions. And oftentimes, they don't look past the first three search engine results or those first three uh, links. In this survey, more than 43% of respondents said that they, quote, wouldn't be very likely to scroll down the page to see additional results. And roughly 56% said that they would rather try a different search query or even a different search engine. Uh, then click on a second page of search results. Wow. So yeah, pretty pretty uh, mind-boggling there, but page two and three of search engine results get just 5.59% of clicks on average for any given search. So you know, improving your content's organic rankings on Google is important, but there's also a tremendous difference between ranking on page one and then ranking on page two and, and beyond, really. So people would rather type in a new search query than scroll down the first page of results, let alone click on the second page of search results altogether. So if I am hearing you right, Matt, uh, having your program page move from, let's say, position 57 to position 34 in organic uh, ranking. So, you know, roughly the fifth page to the, the third page. Um, it's great, but it's not likely to result in, you know, significant uptick in clicks um, and, and ultimately conversions. You know, we might only see an additional two to three clicks a month 
by moving sort of from the fifth page to the third page. So if, if that's true, where do you think enrollment marketers should be funneling their energy? Um, should we be should we care at all about how we rank on the fifth page or the third page or what is sort of, where, where do we get like a better bang for our buck if we have limited resources that we can allocate towards SEO strategy? Yeah, you're absolutely right, Zach. You're not going to get the biggest bang for your buck by moving from position 57 to 34 at all. Instead, really focus on those keywords for which you're already ranking on page two or three and work harder to push those keywords onto page one. So somewhere within those top 10 search engine results. And, you know, one of the best ways you can do this is by getting quick insights into the pages that your domain might already be yielding traffic for on pages two and three of Google's search engine results. And you can use a tool like SEMrush to do this and garner insights into how prospects are currently finding you and what keywords they're finding you from. But do note that it's important to pay close attention to those non-branded terms, right? So searches uh, that don't include your school's name already in those uh, in those queries or keywords. It makes a lot of sense. And so, you know, it's better to figure out, okay, where, where are you already sort of winning? What, what are those particular terms? What pages really are, are ranking and how can you build a more robust content strategy, a more uh, hyper-focused SEO strategy around those content pieces and around those, those, those content topics, rather than focusing on, you know, trying to win on something like uh, MBA program. If, if your MBA program is currently on page, you know, number five, maybe just leave it there and instead focus on, you know, uh, the, the results that you're ranking on pages, uh, pages one for. So maybe, maybe you rank currently for, you know, best hybrid MBA in, you know, greater Milwaukee area or something like that. It'd be better. And you get more bang, you know, for your buck. If you focus on creating additional content around that term, maybe you're at, you're at, you know, position 10. So you're on that first page, but barely, how do you create more content around that longer tail keyword phrase in order to, to move up the rankings to sort of one of, one of those cover top three results. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's a lot more benefit to moving from page two or three onto one instead of five to three, like we already mentioned, but uh, it might seem like low hanging fruit, but there's still a whole lot of work and energy that goes into moving up just a couple of spots when you do end up on page one or two, uh, moving up, you know, incrementally from those two pages is, is a lot of work still. Absolutely, absolutely. And while we're talking about SEO, just a quick plug here from our sponsor for this week, which is DD Agency. DD Agency is actually the uh, primary underwriter of Enrollify, and DD Agency is hosting its first ever, uh, really the industry's first ever SEO cohort. Um, this is an SEO uh, cohort designed specifically for enrollment marketers. So if you're interested in learning more about how you can kind of go from zero to 60 on all things SEO, uh, myself and my colleague Shane are going to be teaching this cohort. Uh, it's a it's going to be a four session kind of eight week cohort. We're going to meet every other week. So if you want more details, uh, you can contact me directly at Zach at Enrollify.org, or you can go ahead and head on over to the DD agency website at agency.directdevelopment.com. And you can find out more information about the cohort there. Anyways, that was a that was a shameless pretty uh, actually unplanned and unscripted uh, plug there. But uh, I think that uh, it was appropriate in light of the in light of our conversation. 
Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> so anyways, let's let's move right along here. So Matt, back in 2018, Google introduced Google Assistant Snapshot for Android and iOS devices. And this tool uh, was meant to help mobile phone users stay on top of their daily tasks. Now Snapshot is back uh, with actually some pretty cool new fe- uh, features like suggestions for new podcasts, restaurants, recipes, and, and a lot more. So I'm curious, what's the angle for student recruitment here? Yeah, I've never heard of Snapshot before, um, so it's new to me, but it's a pretty cool feature. And, you know, pretty much Snapshot, it's it's directly on your device. So instead of Google searching like a dinner recipe, for example, this feature called Snapshot could, in theory, predict that it's dinner time. And as you swipe up on your phone, present you with a handful of dinner suggestions. Or for example, if you're sitting on your front porch, Snapshot could suggest a new podcast or music playlist for you based on your recent search history. So, you know, why should you care about this? Well, it just goes to show that search engines and automation, they're really inching their way further and further into our daily lives. And enrollment marketers need to realize that, you know, this is the type of convenience that prospective students are growing accustomed to and are expecting. So since Snapshot utilizes search engine algorithms for suggestions, there's really an even greater need for marketers to put out high-ranking content to recruit students to have any shot at showing up in Snapshot's sort of suggestions, if you will. And, you know, developments like Snapshot, voice searches via devices like Alexa and Google Home, those will likely change the way in which Google ranks content and serves that content to end users. So we're really not that far off from optimizing our website for, for voice queries and things like Snapshots and other features like that that are um, launched down the road. Yeah, no, and you know, my big takeaway here is that enrollment marketers need to ensure that more and more of their content is actually written conversationally. So, you know, when you're talking about a program page or an admissions page, a highly trafficked page that you want to rank well, um, or maybe already does rank well, you know, basically, you're going to have to think about how conversational is the language in this page. So, you know, uh, I think people need to think about, right, like, you know, you've got websites that include 20 of the most, what would it look like to have, you know, your website pages include 20 of the most popular questions that searchers, you know, crafted. So you you plug in your, your domain to SEMrush or, you know, a, a similar tool, get a sense for what people are, how people are stumbling upon your content, what specific, you know, queries that they're using, uh, what questions are they asking, and how might you actually take your FAQ page, uh, let's say that that ranks fairly well, lots of the times uh, schools about pages and FAQ pages rank fairly well, uh, what would it look like to take those questions and actually write them in a more conversational format? Um, so anyways, I, I, there's a lot here, and we should we should at some point design a whole podcast just around you know, voice search and how that's sort of revolutionizing uh, how Google uh, ranks content and really just how consumers find content. So um, I, I think that there's, there's a lot here and um, definitely, definitely something that folks should, should be paying attention to. So when in doubt, go to you, your content, go to your program page, go to your about page, go to your FAQ page, and really assess how well the content is written from a conversational lens. And that would that's like a really simple sort of tactic and takeaway here. Um, go look at go look at those core pages and think about think critically about how could I write this in a way that's a little bit more conversational that I might actually talk, I might actually ask Alexa or Google Home a question that this content could actually rank for. So this brings us to a, a, a you know big question here, Matt, which is uh, talk to us about 
voice search ranking factors? Like how how do the Alexas of the world decide what content to serve me um, when I ask her, in this case, uh, a question? Yeah, definitely. So just to give some context, um, there's over 20% of the sort of global online population that's already using voice search. So it is growing in popularity. There's no doubt about that. But the way that they sort of serve up content uh, is based on a bunch of factors, just like Google's search engine. Uh, SEM Rush uncovered that 80% of voice assistants, their, their answers come from the top three Google search results. And 70% of those answers come from that featured snippet. So again, that content that's served up by Google without requiring that the user actually click on a company's website in the first place. So it really pays dividends to rank one through three uh, for any given keyword on Google. That's the first start. But also there are sort of word count things uh, that, that tend to get served up by these voice assistants more often than not. So answers um, that are around 41 words are more likely to, to be ranked by these, or produced by these voice searches in their responses. And also a readability score that matches somewhere around 15 year olds sort of uh, uh, reading level or reading skill, if you will. Hmm. But again, I think writing your content in that sort of conversational tone can really help here, not necessarily needing to dumb down your content, but writing it in sort of more of a conversational flow. I think that can definitely help with this sort of readability score that these uh, voice search tools are, are using. Uh, but, you know, the big takeaway here is that programs winning the game on SEO right now are going to reap the benefits of more than just page traffic from Google search results. Those new technologies like these voice assistants, even VR, virtual reality that leverage Google's algorithms, will continue favoring top ranking organic content. And, you know, one last tip here is that content with sort of clear question and answer formats and young adult reading levels will generally increase the chance that your page will rank for voice assistants which is especially valuable for when students are asking things that are pretty simple questions about application deadlines or program requirements or even general campus information via those voice assistants. So if I'm understanding this correctly, Matt, it, you know, voice search isn't necessarily being indexed differently, at least at the moment. It's not like, you know, mobile versus de desktop indexing, um, which Google, you know, has decided to, to, uh, index uniquely. Um, you know, that said, voice queries tend to be uh, a little less polished and, you know, and, and much more conversational. So if I want to win when a user asks Alexa, what are the best evening nursing programs near me? I really need only to, you know, continue to follow the tried and true SEO best practices um, in terms of how I would want that content to rank, regardless of if I was uh, interested in it ranking for, for voice search or not. Um, but, you know, so I, I want to continue to, um, you know, do good content strategy, find the keywords and search terms that my personas, my target audiences are using, uh, create great content around that, and, you know, basically maybe serve that content in a little bit more of a conversational format. So a little bit more of like a casual tone, which isn't again to say that we're interested in shallow content, but just the presentation of that quality content in the way um, that you would talk to, you know, a colleague or, or a friend. Um, but so I, I don't really need to obsess over ranking factors, at least at this juncture that are directly correlated to uh, uh, you know, these voice assistants, but rather if I, 
do my SEO strategy well, if I'm thinking really critically about my user, if I'm designing amazing, really deep, thought-provoking thought leadership um, and presenting that thought leadership in a way that is conversational, that's really all I should worry about right now. Is that, I know that was a little bit all over the place, but is that sort of like a, a fair assessment? Like, how does that yeah. how does that sound to you? Yeah, I think it's a fair assessment. You know, for right now, I think that sounds about right. We're still in this sort of fledging stage for voice search and there's still a lot of unknowns and we'll kind of have to see how it evolves over the next couple of years. You know, with, with Google, there are like little communities there that, that pop up everywhere that are trying to sort of uh, come up with all of these ranking factors that go into Google. And I'm sure there are going to be communities like this that come out for things like, yeah, Alexa and Google Home and all these voice assistants in the future. But right now there's just a lot of unknown. So I think strong content strategy and keyword research and the sort of SEO practices that you're probably already implementing are the safest way to go. Sounds great. Sounds great. Hopefully uh, that helps some of our listeners sleep a little bit well, uh, sleep a little better tonight, knowing that they don't now need to think totally different about their content strategy, at least uh, at least at this juncture. Um, but speaking of search, talk to me about organic visual marketing. You talked a little bit about uh, Unsplash's growth model uh, in the, this past week's edition of The Minute. And I'd love for you to sort of like flesh this out, uh, help our listeners to this podcast better understand what Unsplash does and why this might be a unique opportunity to to, to take advantage of, of this offering that they have. Yeah. So, you know, it's important to remember that your school's brand is more than just a logo, right? It's, it's going to be a collection of images, feelings, emotions that are often experienced in person and on social media. And so Unsplash, it's one of the largest databases of free images. It's larger than Getty, Shutterstock, Adobe Stock. And it's a tool that allows brands to basically submit organic photos that can be used by the general public. But in turn, you can generate a lot of organic traffic from those photos and free brand building. There's also these paid advertising options as well, but you can still get a lot of traffic from uh, organically uh, uploading your images, essentially. And some brands who have uploaded their own free organic photos to Unsplash have seen upwards of 13 million views of their image. That's 13 million free visual impressions that could go into the brand or person building of your school. That's absolutely remarkable. So if I'm, uh, you know, picking up what you're laying down here, it sounds like a few professional campus images or even quality photos of your school, student life or facilities taken on your iPhone could all be used to help build your brand via Unsplash. Is it is it really that simple? Sort of. The the key is really finding images that capture the essence of your school's brand. And those could be perhaps, you know, research lab photos or ones that highlight your urban campus. But they're also high enough quality that others will want to use them. So just as compelling written content can spread or, or trend, the goal here is for your images to disperse organically while having those hints of your brand sort of sprinkled in in those images. So we talk a lot about being innovative on this podcast and we bring amazing guests onto onto the show that speak to really uh, new things that they've done in their respective fields, mostly within the context of uh, their uh, educational institutions or, you know, helping a client within the context of a school do some, some launch some new campaign or launch some new program offering. Um, you know, we talk really a lot about sort of being like these scrappy enrollment marketers. Um, and from like this idea is a classic, a classic scrappy sort of like half-baked idea that I think folks should totally tap into and report back on. You know, I'd be really curious for any of you listening to 
today's uh, to today's episode to try this out and see how this strategy might actually dramatically boost your traffic and even help accelerate your organic lead generation. Um, it, if you try this out, take your take your content library, like upload this to to Unsplash, and you know ensure that you're following all the best practices to make sure that you get that credit uh, and that backlinking. Um, but try this out and like let us know how this works. I'm really really curious. Schools are like known for having these you know digital asset managers that cost tens of thousands of dollars store all of this content like on these servers like offline. But it's really interesting to think like could you take some of that content and maybe even just 10% of that content and implement some sort of like kind of new tailored visual organic marketing strategy via Unsplash um, and see if that actually helps boost your organic search rankings slash even help generate new qualified prospective students. Totally. And like you mentioned, Zach, this is totally a scrappy half-baked idea that should be taken with a grain of salt, but it's something that would take you 15 minutes at most, right? Yeah, yeah. Photos. And it's something that, you know, folks are in control of right now, despite of a bunch of other, you know, factors that you might not be in control of. This is a really simple thing and, and could spread like wildfire uh, based on, you know, just an or one organic photo that you upload. And it's an easy tactic, I'd say, you know, it might not be a bull in terms of strategy and ROI, but you know, it could bring some surprising returns over time. Fantastic. I love it. I love it. All right. I want to talk about lead gen via LinkedIn. So I talk to lots of enrollment marketers every week about social strategy and channel specific tactics for lead gen. And LinkedIn is, is sort of like this like magic box that everyone thinks should perform really well, but no one seems to be like killing it on LinkedIn. Like everyone's like, yeah, especially if you work in, in graduate enrollment management, right? Like you expect this to be this great channel for quality lead gen, but like no one that I know is like totally slaying it from like a cost per acquisition standpoint. So Matt, I'm curious, talk to us about LinkedIn's latest message ads. They just put out this awesome case study and I'm curious sort of to, to hear a little bit more about that and whether or not we think that this, that message ads is maybe this sort of like new viable ad offering that might enable more people to feel very confident in their LinkedIn ad, uh, their LinkedIn ad strategy. Yeah, totally. So for all of our listeners out there, just think to yourselves for a second, you know, how many times have you had a prospective student book a meeting with you only to result in a no-show? Or, you know, how often have you captured a new inquiry who doesn't end up opening a single email in your communications flow? While generating new leads is, is essential for enrollment teams, they're still dealing with plenty of unqualified leads or lead waste, as we call it sometimes. And LinkedIn put out this new case study that you're referring to, Zach, on the College of William and Mary. And it, the case study showed how the school used these personalized LinkedIn message ads to qualify their leads to separate the hot inquiries from the cold ones. And you can find this case study with a quick Google search, of course, but year over year, they generated three times an increase in, in ad engagement, an 80% increase in lead to application rates, and a 23% increase in enrolled students, which are phenomenal wow. results. Wow, wow, yeah. simple uh, message ad. So in short, it, it's it's more than just the ad itself. It's the ability to separate those great leads from those soon-to-be no-show leads uh, that can save enrollment marketers time, money, and effort. And LinkedIn message ads, they're, they're not the only way to filter inquiries into these sort of two buckets. I would argue that conversational ads, chatbots, those are two additional ways that you can qualify leads and gain insight into 
where you can best allocate resources and ensuring those resources are best spent on those hot leads. So it sounds like this new ad type and corresponding sort of like quality over quantity strategy is, is well worth a try. I think the big takeaway here too is that, you know, LinkedIn is still early to the ad game and really to the active user engagement game. You know, we've talked about this before, but organic reach on LinkedIn right now is is sort of like what Facebook organic reach was eight years ago. It's, it's absolutely yeah. remarkable. You know, we spent a lot of time uh, running tasks on LinkedIn um, on our own profiles. And I mean, the, the reach that we get is, is absurd right now. So, you know, I think LinkedIn is very much worth your time and attention, especially again, for those working in graduate student recruitment. But I think, the, you know, we need to expect that lead gen is going to be slower and much more expensive on LinkedIn than on other platforms. So, you know, at the end of the day, I would argue though that like most of us listening to to this episode would probably agree that uh, generating you know ten link ten leads on LinkedIn that cost two hundred dollars a pop is greater than fifty leads that cost twenty dollars a pop if eighty percent of those LinkedIn leads actually end up enrolling and only ten percent of the Facebook leads do. So you know, I think that this is a. a absolutely a place where we need to be but i think sort of the jury is still out on like what the right combination of strategies and tactics looks like in order to yield meaningful roi absolutely yeah like you mentioned it's definitely a quality over quantity game with linkedin you should expect to pay more upfront, but with the understanding that these contacts that you do generate have a greater chance of matriculating at the end of the day fantastic okay sir so our Final trend that is worth keeping tabs on is actually, you know, lessons learned from the marketing strategies of other brands that are trying to reach college students. So Matt, talk to us a little bit about this latest trending WordStream article and what you thought was, uh, was most interesting about it. Yeah. So, you know, you know, you might be aware of this already, but Spotify premium, they reduce their pricing for college students. Apple gives discounts on MacBooks for new college students as well. And these are just some of the 10 strategies that WordStream identifies in this article that you mentioned that non higher ed brands are employing to reach the college student audience. You know, I think brands realize that marketing college students early on can result in loyalty and, and lifelong customers. And to me, it kind of begs the question, why aren't schools and specifically graduate schools partnering with these brands in some way to reach current undergrads to create that, that sort of lifelong brand affinity for their school or graduate program? I think this is a fantastic question, and I'm curious, like, what you think the angle is here. Yeah, it, it might be a little far-fetched, but bear with me. So targeted promotions for college students run in unison with brands that are closely aligned with your program's focus area. You know, that could create some positive brand recognition among those students. So, for example, what if, what if it, you know, an MS in finance program, I don't know, partnered with Robinhood to give current juniors and seniors and a related undergrad program at the school 20 bucks in investment cash? Perhaps in some way, shape, or form that could create the same loyalty and could drive them to consider your graduate program or certificate option and could even lead to alumni donations to your school well after their undergrad years. Another half-baked thought for you, but, uh, you know, little niche partnerships like that. I just think there's a lot that could be uncovered based on brands who are already doing it really well and really gaining the loyalty and trust of current undergrads. 
I think that, yeah, this also falls under the same sort of like innovative, scrappy and, and genuinely different marketing strategy uh, that, you know, uh, umbrella of strategy, really, that the Unsplash strategy does and, and falls into. I absolutely love this idea, and I think it could help immediately elevate a brand's perception. So, you know, higher education, uh, you know, especially these days is sort of under attack and people are kind of questioning, right, like, what is the value of a, of a bachelor's degree, let alone a master's degree? And so what I like about this is, is it's very forward thinking and it, if done well, like in the MS in finance with, with Robin Hood, sort of like partner, you know, prospective partnership here with that. What's cool about that is I think it has, it immediately gives your program connotations of being like progressive and, and socially aware yes. of industry, yep. industry trends. And I love that because it, uh, again, it, when you're looking for a different a point of differentiation, right? Doing something as simple as that, I would communicate at least to me that oh wow, this program must be on the front lines or must be on the bleeding edge of the space if they're even one like talking about Robin Hood and and aware of that and two bold enough to strike up some sort of like partnership with them. So I absolutely love this idea. I think folks should think about how to make this their own in their context. In fact, I think we might need to write a blog post on this map because this is this is definitely, <laughs> definitely unique. Um, makes a ton of sense and would love to, again, for any of the listeners that actually are bold enough to try this out, let us know how it goes and maybe we'll have to bring you on and, and have our own case study. Um, but Matt, thank you so much for your time. This was This was super helpful. Pleasure. Thanks, Zach. Yeah. And for all of our listeners, again, if you liked this format of the show, Matt and I do a quick 10-minute roundup every week on uh, trends like these. So uh, you can head on over. You can just Google Second Look. Um, you can go onto Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. Just look for Second Look and hit that subscribe button. Um, and we will be in your feed uh, every every uh, Wednesday morning with kind of new, uh, the, the trends that we think are absolutely worth you paying attention to. Again, there's a lot of noise out there. There's a lot that um, we, we don't think is worth paying attention to. So the topics that we cover on In the Minute and on this podcast are are specifically curated with quality in mind. So thank you guys for being here as always. Um, if you have any feedback, hit me up at Zach at Enrollify.org. That's Z-A-C-H at Enrollify.org. Thank you, Matt, for being here and we will see you all next week. If you are an enrollment marketer working in marketing and communications or enrollment management and would be willing to be interviewed on the podcast, or if you have an idea for a topic that you'd like to hear covered on the podcast, please reach out directly to me at Zach, Z-A-C-H, at Enrollify.org. We sincerely look forward to working with you to make Enrollify the most trusted, go-to, digital resource for enrollment marketers out there.